Well, we, um, I had the uh, first eight verses this morning at the morning worship. So, um, uh, after I get that uploaded, well, you, those who didn't hear it will be able to go there and listen to it if you like. Um, and this is um, verses 9 through 14. And we'll be looking at the um, subject of to know his will and walk of God. To know his will and the walk of God. Um, because we realize that it is important to stay in close communion with the Lord if we are going to please the Lord in our lives. Well, as we began this uh, message in Colossians just this morning, um, there is some wonderful subject matters going on here. The overall theme of the epistle seems to be more having to do with the preeminence of Christ. And so much is being said about the Lord as we go through this uh, uh, epistle. It is written somewhere around 60 A.D., uh, as we understand the general uh, idea of the writing of the book. And uh, it is written um, like the letters to the Ephesians and the Philippians, was written probably in Rome, um, perhaps during Paul's first imprisonment. And um, so that's kind of some general information about this book. Um, This afternoon we'll be looking at these three areas. Should we desire to know God's will by his spirit? We should desire to live pleasing to the Lord in every good work, and we should give thanks to God for making us partakers of his inheritance as saints of light. Well, those are quite lengthy little statements to make, but nonetheless we find that um, those uh, subjects are pretty much uh, entailed in what we have to talk about this afternoon. So I'd like to begin by reading verses 9 through 14. For this cause, also since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us fit to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Let us look to the Lord in prayer for a moment. Loving Father, as we have read the scripture, may you also open our hearts to the scripture. And Lord, by your spirit, minister it to us that we may be truly spiritually enlightened of those things of Christ 
and of our glorious salvation through our blessed Savior. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we look at this passage, we, we see some practical things um, to consider. Uh, first of all, we should desire to know God's will by His Spirit. I think that uh, that is a very practical statement to make uh, because each of us do want to know God's will. And, but we have to listen to the Spirit of God in order to discern that well. Um, and, of course, um, we know that this is the will of God that you might know him and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, certainly salvation becomes the first element of the will of God for us in a spiritual manner. We, we need to know Jesus. But after we come to faith in Christ, we know that um, there are many opportunities when we uh, seek the counsel of God and we ask him to show us uh, the things that are necessary. And that's wherein we realize that after we have come to faith in Christ, then the Spirit of God must communicate to us the things that are needed for practical Christian living. Um, so uh, that is an important area. Verse 9 For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that she might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now, see, Paul begins with kind of this concern for the believers there at Colossae, and he, he, um, he's indicating that he is a, is a man of prayer for them, that he is praying for them. And so the apostle prays for the Christians at Colossae. We, um, if you look at the, where Colossae is on the map, you see it's in the Asia Minor region, it's um, not too far from Laodicea and Hierapolis, and it's somewhat inland. Um, and so that uh, uh, today it's under Turkish control, that whole region is. But at this particular time, it was part of the Roman Empire, of course, and um, though we may be well acquainted with um, Laodicea because it is the lukewarm church that we we think about in the book of Revelation, yet Colossians is, uh, we don't look at it the same way. And as far as uh, this epistle is concerned, we find that Paul is concerned about them and is praying for them and desiring that this, uh, uh, this church would continue on the right track for the Lord. And so he prays that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. That's a quite a statement to make, isn't it? To be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom. Uh, you might say, well, that's a, that's a big chunk to bite off. Um, how am I going to do that? <laughs> uh, and we find that it isn't something that we take in all at once, is it? I mean, 
you'd have to be omniscient to take it in all at once, I suppose. But none of us are. So how do we, can, how do we uh, manage that bit of information to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom? You see, so it, uh, since we, we have to live in a, a practical Christian life, we find that we, uh, we are challenged or encountered, we're encountered on a daily basis to walk with God, to walk worthy. And to, that idea of walking, of course, is to, you're in movement. You're not standing still, you're in movement. And uh, that we uh, have to keep some very important things in mind. Now, uh, this morning I, I went into some things concerning verse 4 about faith and uh, love and, of, uh, and verse 5 and hope. Um, well, those three elements, of course, are, are a part of our, really make up our Christian world view, our Christian world view. We have faith, and we know the love of God, because God's love was shed abroad toward us, and we have hope in Christ because of that faith and that love of God. Uh, so we realize that uh, to... Uh, to know the knowledge and the wisdom of God is going to take spiritual understanding. And that's what he says there, isn't it? In the latter part of verse 9, he includes it, and spiritual understanding. So there, there it is, right there. We are constantly looking to God for spiritual understanding. Um, of course, a lot of things today... Uh, talked about as spiritual, a spiritual experience. You had a, uh, had a bright light in the middle of the night or something, you know, they, they talk about those things. And every, practically every commercial you see, somebody is sitting there in a lotus position on the television screen. I mean, you would think everybody just sat around in a lotus position constantly, according to the uh, advertisements on television. And of course, to them, that's spiritual, right? Um, and that's almost an exception. That's all they ever do is is uh, put on some kind of new age thought in their in their propaganda that they put out about selling their products and so forth. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be a refrigerator or it could be a box of Kleenex. Uh, you, you're going to find it intermingled with some kind of a new age concept. Their their idea of spirituality, but that isn't our idea of spirituality. Our idea of spirituality has to do with the spirit of Christ and knowing that that spirit has been given to us um, as uh, the Holy Spirit has uh, is indwelling the believer, is indwelling the believer. In fact. Uh, You've been translated. Did you know that? Uh, you've been translated. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a moment. Being translated. And what's that talking about? But here he says um, uh, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So we, we know that we have to have spiritual understanding. And the idea of understanding here naturally would take in the concept of, of discernment, um, of gaining that knowledge of truth or understanding that uh, helps us to know the truth when we 
run into it when it's right there in front of us. And of course, um, that's a, you know, it's pretty difficult sometimes, you know, in this world to separate some of the things that are being uh, said in the world from what we think and what the Bible says. Um, we shouldn't, uh, it's not that we shouldn't think, but we, that, isn't tr that isn't completely trustworthy. We need to take what the Bible says. We need what the Bible says, and we need the spiritual understanding, and we need to get those two together that we'll know we'll have the right thinking. Uh, so this idea of um, spiritual understanding comes through faith, love, hope in Christ, and the knowledge of God in all wisdom. And so these things um, are at work in the life of every believer, you, are, you have all these things at work in you and that you should listen carefully to the Spirit of God. And so we should desire to know God's will by His Spirit, by His Spirit. So the, the spiritual understanding that we receive is something that we really have to trust God for. Uh, secondly here, um, let me just say, in number two here, we should desire to live pleasing to the Lord in every good work. Well, if that takes us into verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Notice that the knowledge of God is still very much active in verse 10, as much as it was in verse 9. But now Paul is uh, kind of employing other language to talk about this practical Christian living that we need to seek. And he's, he likens it here to walking worthy of the Lord. Uh, walking worthy of the Lord. And so this walk uh, that we have is one um, which we are to be occupied with as we follow Christ. It is to walk worthy, walking worthy. And uh, we can imagine that word worthy to be something which is very important to our uh, steps with Christ. Um, kind of, a, we might say godly, but sometimes that word is a little bit difficult for us to understand um, because we think of perhaps a monk in a monastery somewhere, we think of something like that but actually uh, someone who is um, born of God, someone who is born of God should be walking godly, walking for God, walking with God, walking in a way that's pleasing to God. Um, when we, so it doesn't have to be complicated when we use that word. I mean, if we put it in the context of of uh, knowing Christ and of having a practical reality with the Lord, practical daily life with the Lord. And so someone who is worthy would be godly and uh, would be one who is uh, truly seeking to honor God. So walking worthy, you want to be in the steps of Jesus, you want to follow the teachings of Christ, you want to know His will, you want to be uh, guided by the Spirit of God, and that you might walk worthy, he says. This was his desire for them. Now remember, he has put this in the form of praying 
For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And so he's uh, talking to them in a sense of a prayer, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And so the the good works that we do are those which are pleasing to God. The good works we do are those which are uh, in, in harmony with the knowledge and will of God for our lives and uh, the understanding of that the Spirit of God has given to us. And so this uh, can take on many different forms, of course. It, um, we don't have to travel the world over to do the will of God. We just have to live for the Lord where we are right now and be sure that we are trusting in the Lord as we do it. And so this walkworthy, this pleasing to God, this fruitfulness toward God uh, in every good work is one which is uh, spiritual growth. It's growth. In fact, he says, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we have the idea of growing or maturing in the things of Christ. Now, when you first came to know the Lord as your Savior, uh, you knew some things. You knew, first of all, that you were, that you were forgiven, that uh, you had learned that Christ died for your sins and, and you came to faith in Christ through uh, your calling upon him for salvation. Uh, but since then, you have begun to study more and more and read and listening to messages and learning from those who might be brothers and sisters in Christ and your experiences as you have led uh, your life listening to the Spirit of God, uh, your experiences have taught you much, right? So, so this idea of increasing in the knowledge of God will come through the teaching and preaching ministry as well as your own personal study and in your own relationship with the Lord. You know, unless we just turn it into some academic exercise, we don't want to do that. Uh, We have to realize that there are some real personal elements going on here. Uh, Your particular life and and how you are praying that those things should be worked out. Um, Your desire to grow in the Lord, and so you, you might, your study, your personal study, your personal reading, your personal um, uh, endeavor to, to get closer to the Lord, to do those things which, which are pleasing to the Lord. Those are very important things. Um, increasing alone academically uh, isn't, it may be good to, to be very knowledgeable in, in, in the Bible. But it's likely, um, it shouldn't supersede, it shouldn't be beyond, it shouldn't uh, take the place of some of the practical things that need to happen um, in your own walk with God. Those things are important. Those things are important because as you you begin to grow personally, when you come across your teaching, your reading, your, your studies, those things will become really alive to you. You will, you, will, you will say, oh yes, that's what the Bible says, isn't it? I remember now, uh, because uh, the Lord took me through that, or the Lord showed me that. Or, uh, you know, there'll be this practical element which will cement the scriptures to you. 
Well, you know, we've all learned various scripture re- uh, passages in the Bible. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. Now we know that. We know that Proverbs, you know, we know that those verses out of Proverbs, and they're very important to us. But as we, as we learn to trust, you go back and read a verse like that, as we, as we learn to rely upon the Lord, you go back and you think on that verse and you say, yeah, okay, that's, that's really good, Lord. I, I put that into practice not too long ago and, and uh, you showed me the reality of that. That's good. Um, you know, we need the scriptures uh, to reinforce and cement the things that the Lord is teaching us through his spirit. And, uh, of course, both are being used. We don't want to diminish either one of them. Both of, of them are being used. And so that you might walk worthy of the Lord in, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful. And so the fruitfulness that um, God wants from us is that we might, of course, bear fruit ourselves. We might bear fruit. Uh, you know, we think of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, all those kinds of fruits of the Spirit um, that it speaks about there in Galatians, and we recognize this is important. Um, and those things, uh, we must strive to, you know, to bring those things into our lives. And, and but as, we, as we begin to grow more and more in Christ, we find that fruitfulness will begin to show itself also. And it says, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so this, this fruit of the Spirit, and spiritual understanding, verse 9, and increasing in the knowledge of God, verse 10. Similar language, different, perhaps a little different meaning there, but at the same time, uh, Paul is emphasizing two important things, spiritual understanding and the knowledge of God. We need both. We need the spiritual understanding, we need the knowledge of God. And we gain that as, we, as this is worked out in us, and, and so uh, that's important. In verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Now, so as we get to verse 11, we see there's something else which is kind of thrown into the mix here. Uh, we're strengthened, we are strengthened in this whole process by spiritual understanding, by the knowledge of God. Uh, we're strengthened in this process as we, as we begin to um, let God work in us. He says, uh, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. And so we know that God is the catalyst behind all of this. That he is the one who, who brings the true reality and the power of, this, of these things to us. And so we should, uh, we should desire to live pleasing to the Lord in every good work. And this will cause this uh, great work of, um, of being strengthened. Uh, according to the power of God, he says, unto all patience and long-sufferingness, patience, we, uh, we get the sense of endurance with, uh, with impatience, uh, with, with patience, rather. Uh, so, patience is good. Some people say, oh, I don't know, I want patience. 
and patience uh, brings trouble. <laughs> but uh, we do need patience uh, in our life, and it's the patient endurance that we that we uh, uh, a patient continuance or patient endurance uh, that we might continue on. And what about long suffering here? The long suffering of God for us leads to repentance, the long-suffering of God. And so we, uh, we need long-suffering, um, something similar, you might say, to patience or patient endurance, um, but there is a kind of steadfastness along with it. So this, uh, this long-suffering, we bear long with something. We bear long with it. So we have this kind of patient endurance, we have this bearing uh, with the various circumstances of our walk with God, and he says, with joyfulness, with joyfulness. Um, and so the joyfulness of the Spirit, um, the joyfulness of our relationship to Christ, joyfulness of our walk, joyfulness of knowing the wisdom and knowledge of God, and the Spirit of God. So this joyfulness, it's, it's not uh, any, in any way a uh, secular joy. No, this is uh, inner, inner peace. This is the peace God gives to us. And it is the kind of peace that even takes us through very difficult times. Whether it is the, the death of a loved one, um, and we've all suffered those things, and after we after it happens we we have to continue we we can't uh, just give up um, or whatever kind of of um, kind of a difficult time you might be going through some particular sufferings in in the flesh we know that the joyfulness of Christ comes as this relationship that we have increases more and more in the Lord and so we, we need to have a patient, patient, enduring walk with God, a bearing long in the sufferings in which we often bear or the difficulties we face, and with realizing that even in the midst of these things, Christ can, can give us the joyfulness of our walk with God. And in verse 12, he goes on to say, "...giving thanks unto the Father." who hath made us fit or meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Uh, as you can see, many of these verses are just kind of packed with different things, aren't they? Um, and this one is like that, too. Uh, we ought to give thanks. We ought to be joyful. We ought to be patient and enduring. We ought to be long-suffering and bear with things. Um, and we ought to give thanks. Uh, so we find that this enters into our prayer walk with God. With God. Um, someone, I think walking and praying kind of go together almost. You know, we, we, we walk that as movement, the, the worthy walk. But uh, when Paul says pray without ceasing, I, uh, I think he had that concept that we're in that constant attitude of prayer about things. And... If you, if you are a serious-minded Christian, I think you know what that means, to be in a constant attitude of prayer about things. It isn't that we sit down and 
and constantly uh, are praying, but the attitude of prayer is very much uh, predominant upon our thinking. Uh, and uh, so he says, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us fit or, or partakers or meet uh, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Now this uh, partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Probably a good way to talk about that is to say the gospel has brought to us a body of truth that has that uh, has caused us to appreciate more and more what it is to live for Christ and to and to desire to go home to be with him. In other words, uh, the idea of partaker is that we are we are partaking of something. We are enjoying it. We are in fellowship with it. And um, and we find that uh, these I, the partaking is important. It's it's necessary. It's it's um it's part of uh, who we are as a whole, as a as a whole people to walk with God. We are partakers. And it says of the inheritance, and the the word inheritance here also gives us a sense of something uh, that one is going to receive, and at, it is the promise of an, of things to be enjoyed as well um, as we think about what God is going to provide for us in the future. He says this is. Um, uh, is it as much of a promise as it is a reality. And so it's the partakers of the inheritance, the inheritance of the saints in light. So um, the word inheritance uh, can carry the meaning of a lot as one is given a particular um, well, contract of, of something to be received. Well, the Bible is like that, isn't it? Um, Jesus spoke about uh, his blood as being the New Testament in his blood. And uh, the Testament is the contract, uh, so to speak. It's what God has promised to us uh, because of his shed blood for us. And so we're going to be receiving those things. We're going to be receiving them. Uh, and so we are promised these things. We are partakers of these promises of this of this inheritance that God has meant for us, uh, and of the saint uh, of the saints in light, in the light of the truth of the Word of God. And in verse thirteen, he goes on to say, "Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness?" and hath translated us unto the kingdom of his dear son. So here is the word translated that is being used. Now, this is an interesting use of this. Um, how were we translated? Um, well, perhaps you had one way of thinking before you came to Christ, and now that you have come to Christ, I hope you have a different way of thinking. Things have changed. Um, you have been removed from one particular thought to another, so to speak. Um, and I trust that how you think now is altogether different. There's been a, there's been a, a, a complete change in your thinking. 
And in that sense, uh, we find that the word translated has a great deal of meaning for us. Um, because we have been changed. And he says, translated unto the kingdom of his dear son. Now when you think of the kingdom of Christ, perhaps you think of the, the millennial kingdom. Um, but the kingdom of God begins in your heart. <laughs> You know, if we didn't have that hope of the kingdom of God in our heart, we would not uh, understand many spiritual things. Uh, but because we do, because the Spirit of God has changed us, um, we find that we do have a great hope for things to come, for the kingdom of Christ. And uh, he says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so now Paul comes down to, to uh, say that these spiritual things, this wisdom of God, this understanding that we have, this glorious power, this patience and long-suffering, and uh, the light which we have received, we have been truly transformed from one to another, from this, the um, power of darkness to the power or the kingdom of his dear Son. And it's all because of the cross of Christ, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And so, um, in this particular way, he didn't begin with, uh, with stating the redemption of Christ first. He begins by saying these other things in relationship to the believer that he can bring us down to where we say it is because of Christ that we have these blessings to enjoy and uh, that we have the reality of these things this worthy walk that God wants us to have we have the reality of them and so he says for this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated un us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Even the forgiveness of sins. Um, a worthy walk. And Christ wants us to walk with him on a daily basis. So I trust that you are encouraged to do so. And are trusting him each day. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your long-suffering toward us, and of the continued relationship that we have with you, that we can grow in the knowledge and the wisdom of God, and that we can be pleasing to you in the things that we do. 
as we continue to increase in the knowledge and wisdom of God. Because Christ alone is the one who has given himself for us. Bless your word to our hearts, we pray, and encourage us in our walk of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.